This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to the radio and internet ministry of the Christian Crusaders. Living life with fellow believers is a true blessing. However, frictions still happen, even in the best of relationships. In this week's program, we are going to learn what Jesus says about relationships, how we can bring glory to God in our relationships, even in the midst of mistakes, hurt feelings, and disappointments. Today we're going to take a look at what Jesus says about relationships. We begin in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Almighty and gracious God, we're here again to lift you up in praise, to pray to you, and to listen to your holy word. May everything that happens in this next half hour of worship be pleasing to you. Amen. Our reading for today is Matthew 7, verses 1-12. through 12. These are the words of Jesus. Do not judge so that you may not be judged. For with the judgment you make, you will be judged, and the measure you give will be the measure you get. Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but don't notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your neighbor, let me take the speck out of your eye while the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. And don't give what is holy to dogs, and don't throw your pearls before swine, or they will trample them underfoot and turn and maul you. Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who searches finds, and for everyone who knocks the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for bread, will give a stone? Or if your child asks for a fish, we'll give a snake. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? In everything, do to others as you would have them do to you, for this is the law and the prophets. Dear friends, in some Christian circles, we sometimes talk of the importance of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We do that because it is important. There is no greater thing than placing one's trust in Christ and following him. I mean, it means life, life eternal. But being a follower of Jesus Christ is not just an individualistic, but it's also a community affair. We're called into a Christian community, for instance, a church, into relationships with new brothers and sisters in Christ. And we also are called to relate to the society around us as well. So the follower of Jesus Christ is meant to live in a network of relationships. We are not to be isolationists. How do we best conduct ourselves then in this network of relationships as citizens of God's kingdom? That's the question being answered today as we continue our study of Christ's Sermon on the Mount, found in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. So far in this message, Jesus has been describing life in the kingdom of God. He describes for us Christian character, Christian influence, Christian righteousness, piety, and priorities. 
And in our reading for today from Matthew 7, he talks of the Christian's relationships. Though these little paragraphs at the beginning of Matthew 7 appear to be unrelated to one another, there actually is a common thread that runs throughout this section. Relationships. Jesus here instructs his disciples, his followers, on how to relate to people in our various networks. First, listen to what he says about relating to people in the church, your sisters and brothers in Christ. He says, don't judge so that you may not be judged. Jesus uh, seems to know the Christian community will never be perfect. We're both saints and sinners as we follow Jesus. We have a tendency to step on one another's toes and Sometimes we, we misbehave. Ego and pride and selfishness still rears their ugly heads in us, and that can cause pain to others and tensions in our relationships in the church. So how do we behave in response to a fellow member who has misbehaved or who has sinned against us? Jesus knows how easy it is for us to jump in quickly and judge and criticize. It makes us feel like big shots, a little more together spiritually than others. But he says in response to that, don't judge. For the judgment you make, so will you be judged, and measure you give will be the measure that you receive. What does he mean by that? I mean, modern day people today love to quote that line to us, don't judge me especially when they're doing something they know is probably wrong. But I wonder, is this really what Jesus meant when he said that? Was it to be used this way? Was he saying that we ought not to exercise our mental critical faculties to distinguish between right and wrong, good and bad, moral and immoral? Or, or did he intend for us to do away with the law courts in our society? Was he recommending turning a blind eye, ignoring the immoral or hurtful behavior? No, he's not saying that at all. In fact, we're created in God's image with the ability to make value judgments. And to suspend our critical faculties would be an absolute contradiction of how God made us, what he made us for. And we know from other places in Scripture that Jesus urges us to distinguish between good and evil, right and wrong, and to act accordingly. He tells us when someone sins against us, we should go to them and try to fix things and make things right. So if Jesus doesn't mean those kinds of things, what in the world is he getting at when he says, judge not? Well, what Jesus is actually talking about as you examine this text a little more closely, he's uh, talking against harsh condemnation and criticism of others. The spirit of condemning and criticizing, being a fault finder who is negative and destructive towards other people and prone to always write people off. He points out in this passage basically that this kind of behavior in the community is sinful because what you're doing in, in being that way is you're taking the place of God as judge. That's God's job. 
Only God knows the, the whole story on a person, their heart and their motives. The scripture says man looks at activity and God looks at the heart. Only God has the authority to condemn and judge. And he tells us that if you insist on playing a harsh condemning judge, instead of showing you mercy, God will use the same measures on you. By the way, some biblical commentators have pointed out that these words of Jesus could actually be considered a bit of commentary on that petition from the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Jesus' followers are to be a people who exercise mercy and forgiveness instead of judgment towards brothers and sisters in our Christian community. So, judge not is not a command to be blind to wrongdoings, but it's rather a plea to be generous with mercy. In fact, later on, Jesus will tell a parable about a a guy who was in debt to a king for over a million dollars, and as he pleaded for mercy or a little more time to pay him back, the, the king showed mercy and took away the debt altogether and let the man go free. When the servant came away from the king and ran into a fellow servant who owned him, owed him a mere 20 bucks, he has him judged and thrown into jail. And when the king hears of it, Jesus said, he hauls that man back to court and judges him as wicked for not showing mercy to his fellow servant, and then he throws him in prison until his debt is paid. That's what Jesus is talking about here when he says, don't judge so that you will not be judged by God. God is showing you generous mercy. Now be merciful towards one another in the Christian community. Why? Because if that doesn't happen, the church and the cause of Jesus Christ suffers in this world. Nothing can tear up a fellowship quicker than a spreading spirit of judgmentalism and criticism. And the reputation of the Christian church suffers, which means the gospel message suffers. People on the outside today looking in on us say in many a survey when asked about their view of Christians, they say, Christians, they're judgmental. They're judgmental hypocrites. Why would I ever want to be involved with a movement like that? Well, then Jesus goes on to illustrate what he's talking about using a rather strange and comical image as a rationale for this statement about not judging. He says to do that is being hypocritical because not only are you fallible yourself, not God, but you yourself are fallen, a sinner. Listen to his words. Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye but don't notice the log in your own? How can you say to your neighbor, let me take that speck out of your eye while the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite. Before you try to fix someone else, Jesus seems to be saying is, you'd better take a good long look at yourself. Look in the mirror. Because it's a lot easier to see the faults of others than your own. To have a rosy view of yourself and a jaundiced view of others. To exaggerate the faults of others and minimize your own. That's why Jesus was constantly going after the Pharisees, wasn't it? Those super-religious people of his day. He called them hypocrites. He described one of them in a parable standing in the temple, exalting himself for his goodness and disparaging someone else for their badness. And Jesus 
castigates that Pharisee for that. He's, he was playing the role of being a moral superior with no sins and no love for others. And Jesus points that out when we place ourselves in that role. It's nothing more than hypocrisy. So he says, recognize you've got a log in your own eye before you start trying to pick at someone else's speck. You know, you have to be very gentle when you're trying to help someone get a, a physical piece of dust out of their eye, don't you? Can you imagine trying to do surgery on someone with a log in your eye? You're too blind to help. So we need to ask ourselves every once in a while, I think, to do I have a plank in my eye, some sinful habits that needs to be confessed and removed by God's grace and mercy? First things first, Jesus says. And then he says, the way to go, instead of condemning and hypocrisy, here's the better choice. After you've taken the log out of your own eye, taken an honest look at yourself and asked for God's mercy in your life, then you can help your brother or sister take the speck out of his own eye. But not with a sense of superiority, but with humility and love. Not with the eyes of a judge, but with the eyes of a doctor. Oswald Sanders uh, captures what Jesus meant when he says, What God has done for me, he can easily do for you. You only have some sawdust in your eye, but I had a huge log in mine. And I'm reminded of Paul communicating the same teaching of Jesus in his letter to the Galatians when he says, Brothers, if anyone is detected in a transgression, you who have received the Spirit should restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Well, then Jesus widens our circle of relationships, those relationships we have with those who stand outside of a relationship with Jesus. They maybe don't understand. They're not interested in God matters. They might not even want to understand what they call this religious thing that you're into. When they hear the gospel or feel it's being pushed on them or talk about God, they will act negatively towards you, irritated, sometimes even hostile. And listen to what Jesus says about these relationships. He says, a little proverb, don't give what is holy to dogs and don't throw your pearls before swine or they will trample them underfoot and turn and maul you. What an odd little statement. It is a proverb. Biblical scholars, though, have been puzzling and, and arguing with one another over this statement for centuries about what it meant. What are we to make of this? Well, let me take a shot at it. Dogs and pigs back in those days were looked upon as with a negative attitude. They were wild. They ran uh, unclean scavengers in the streets, known to attack people. They could never appreciate something holy like a Bible or valuable like pearls. It would be insane to even attempt to, to throw something like that in their direction. They're, they're only interested in what they can eat. Try dumping a load of inedibles upon them that means nothing to them. They'll just trample them into the ground, and they might wind up even attacking you because at least you're edible. And Jesus says, you know, anyone with any sense wouldn't ever think of doing that. And when Jesus describes uh, the pearl or the holy, he's describing the value of being a part of the kingdom of God, that gospel message of having God rule over your life, place your trust in Christ. The 
holy as the, could be the Word of God itself. Well, just like wild dogs and pigs, Jesus says, there are people who won't and perhaps can't understand, and so they reject and even get hostile about it. And if you continue to push on them hard enough with your little pearls, they just might get irritated enough to rip you to shreds, physically or more likely verbally. Now, Jesus is not saying, don't bother with unbelievers. Don't buy that. That would go against the Great Commission. Go make disciples of all nations, Jesus said. But he is saying, show some discernment and some sensitivity with the people out there. Don't force things down someone's throat. Don't force feed. Don't cram things. That can only lead to a destructive response. Disciples of Jesus are not called to be stormtroopers of the kingdom. We are to be equipped with sensitive radar systems. If you've shared this good news of Christ with a friend who rejects it, sometimes you need to just quietly move on. Jesus would later tell his disciples in Matthew 10 as he sent them out to be witnesses for the kingdom, if they don't receive you, shake the dust from your feet and move on. And the Apostle Paul exercised this in Acts 13 when the Jews were rejected. He says, we are now going to go to the Gentiles. One last word on this one, by the way. To give people up is a very serious step to take. It means I can't encourage you enough that you turn to God in prayer and the Christian community's counsel before you take a drastic step like this because we know that every soul matters to God. So no wonder Jesus then follows us up with the most important relationship of all in this talk, your relationship with God. He says, in all of this, always turn dependently and confidently to your Father in prayer, asking his wisdom and help for your Father wants to hear from you, and he loves you more than any earthly father could, and he is the giver of good things. So as you go through life and your relationships, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking with the expectancy of a son or a daughter who knows their father loves them, who are sure that God answers, sometimes in ways I might not expect, but according to his will, he always answers. And finally, Jesus talks about our relationship with everybody in general. He says, so in everything, do to others as you would have them do to you, for this is the law and the prophets. Some people call this the golden rule. It's also one of the most misunderstood statements in the Bible. First of all, it is not the sum total of the Christian truth, nor is it God's plan of salvation, as some will unknowingly claim. But it sure does sum up the teaching that Jesus gave us of about loving your neighbor as yourself, doesn't it? As you examine this positive imperative from Jesus, you find a lofty standard being expressed here to do what we would want someone to do for us. That's how you treat people. It takes sacrificial love. It requires putting ourselves in another person's shoes and asking, how would I want to be treated in this instance? It involves taking on a very generous attitude, going out of your way to encourage those that are depressed and forgiving those who have wronged you and helping the disadvantaged people, treating them as you would want to be treated if you were in their shoes. And there you have it. Jesus has given us a big boatload of instruction about living out 
our faith in the various relationships we have with people. And you might ask, why does he spend so much time on this subject? Why does God care about how we relate to everyone around us? And it's really quite simple, because how we Christians treat other people reflects on him and his kingdom. And our love for him, our love for one another in the fellowship of the church, and our love for our neighbors out in the world brings him glory and honor among others. And that, my dear friends, is the ultimate purpose of the Christian's life, to bring God glory. What Jesus says about relationships begs the question, can I really do this? It sounds impossible. I know myself too well. And the answer is, yes, you can. Not perfectly, mind you, but you can. Remember the audience Jesus is talking to. These words are for people who have tasted God's grace through Jesus Christ. They know they deserve judgment, but they got mercy through the cross. They no longer have to operate on their own because they have a heavenly father who's approachable and available in prayer. And they have been blessed by God's grace and empowered by his Holy Spirit to walk in these ways that Jesus describes. So yes, you can bring glory to God in your relationships when you belong to Christ. And that takes us back to the beginning of this message, doesn't it? It all starts with that personal relationship with Jesus who gave his life for you at the cross so that you could enjoy a life-giving relationship with your heavenly Father as a member of his kingdom and glorify him in everything you do, including relating to people. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, help us to be more loving like Jesus. In his name we ask this. Amen. Now as you go on your way, may Christ go with you. May he go before you to show you the way, behind you to encourage you, beside you to befriend you, above you to watch over, and within you to give you his peace. Amen. You have been worshiping with the radio and internet ministry of the Christian Crusaders. We pray today's message has helped you understand better how Jesus wants his followers to honorably serve each other in Christian love. Christian Crusaders is hosting a special preaching conference for all pastors and spiritual leaders. This conference is offered free of charge and will be held Monday, May 1st from 9 to 3 at Nazareth Lutheran Church in Cedar Falls, Iowa. The speaker will be the Reverend Dr. Leith Anderson, who is Pastor Emeritus of Wooddale Church in Eden Prairie, Minnesota, and President of the National Association of Evangelicals. For more information and to register, please visit our website, ChristianCrusaders.org. We are celebrating 81 years of ministry to our world with the gospel of grace through faith in Jesus Christ. We are very grateful to God for his blessings upon this ministry, as well as to our faithful listeners who support us with their prayers and financial gifts. If you have a prayer request or would like to make a financial donation to help support Christian Crusaders, please send us a note to Christian Crusaders, Post Office Box 522, Cedar Falls, Iowa, 50613. Or send us an email to cc at naz.org. We are happy you chose to worship with us this day and pray you will join us again next Sunday on this station. Conducting our service was the Reverend Steve Kramer, Senior Pastor of Shepherd of the Valley Lutheran Church in Afton, Minnesota, and Speaker on Christian Crusaders, now in its 81st year of continuous Sunday worship broadcasting. <laughs>